the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I got to tell you, I'm really lucky to have a producer like Heidi. If it wasn't for Heidi, there are times that I would not be on the air at the right time. I, I looked across at her, and she's giving me the, the, the universal sign of put on your headset. And uh, I put it on, and I hear, my, I hear my intro playing, all right? So it's time for me to get uh, going on the, the show today. Hey, they're talking about a little bit of rain maybe late this afternoon, around 5 o'clock. Uh, nothing like we've had over the last few days. And then starting tomorrow, I'm excited. They're talking about partly cloudy skies, and we're going to get up into the upper 80s. It's going to be nice and warm, really warm. And they said next week, Ken Yang, we might be into the 90s. Are you ready for that? No. Uh, <laughs> if, if there was no humidity, I'd be ready for that. But uh, I'm, not I'm ready, ready for the man. I'm yeah. ready. Go ahead, you know, steam clean me. I don't care. Oh, I'm all, I'm all about it. All that that stickiness and the. I just sit out. I just sit out by the pool. See, I, I, we need these high 80s, low 90s, so that the water in my, uh, my pool gets above 62 degrees. Because right now, it's just one big goosebump when you get <laughs> you get into the water it's cold it's really cold so i'm looking forward to having it uh, uh get get nice out again i'm i'm not doing it this weekend but next weekend i'm gonna go see the travelers play looking forward to see yep. the travs uh go see some baseball and i'm actually going to travel up to st louis uh here in june uh with some friends of mine i think we're going to go up and watch uh uh, St. Louis played the Braves uh, okay. up at uh, at the ballpark. Now, for me, that's a big deal. All right, because I'm a Cub fan. All right, but I still like I like the Cards as far as they're a quality team. So I like to go watch them play. And there's nothing like sitting and eating a hot dog and drinking whatever your favorite beverage is and watching a ball game. Are you gonna I love wear, that? You wear a Cubs jersey? Uh, no, nah, I I won't I won't stick people in the eye. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know, it's just like I don't go to the Democratic convention and wear a Republican shirt. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't get out of there alive anyway, but that's that's uh, the way it is. Hey, JR is with us. JR, what's up, brother? Not much. What are you guys up to? Well, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm just talking about uh, I'm going to go take in a Travs game next week. Not this weekend, but yeah. next weekend. Uh, you know, I love the, that they're back. Uh, I love that they're back playing. I was looking at the schedule last night. 
I love baseball. I love this time of year. It's great. I like baseball any time of the year. They can play in the middle of the winter. I show up to watch. Well, them even play. just like watching, just to hear the natural crowd noise. Yeah, is not as nice. Yeah, they were talking about that last night. I happened to flip over to one of the playoff games for the NBA. All yeah. right, it was on last night. The Grizzlies were playing yeah. against the Spurs. The Spurs, yeah. Did they win? Grizzlies. The Grizzlies won. Did they? They were they were leading in the in the fourth quarter when I flipped over just by six. I mean, it was anybody's ball game. But uh, the announcer said, "It's exciting. There's eleven thousand fans here, and they're making a lot of noise." And they were all excited about that, and and, and rightly so. I saw Major League Baseball now says uh, starting next weekend, sixty percent capacity. I would think there'll be 100% within, I would think, before the 4th of July. I hope so. That's good news. Yeah. I mean, look, the the whole thing about COVID-19, the the amount of people that are coming down with it is down over 84% now. So I I think that we're getting close to Herdman, uh, you know, uh, numbers as far as the vaccine goes. I think I read that uh, close to... 70% now have had at least one of the vaccination shots. So that's good. And Pfizer, very happy with what they're seeing from their first shot and people uh, being healthy about it. By the way, I got a friend. I promised that I would ask this question. Uh, after About 10 days after they got the shot, they got ill. And they're they're wondering if anybody else has run into this. About 10 days, 14 days after the inoculation, if you're having any kind of of uh, medical, you know, f- uh, problems as far as feeling like you got the flu, uh, having problems keeping food down, things of that nature. They're just wondering. Uh, their doctor told them they thought it was uh, uh, allergies, but they told me that they've had, never had problems with allergies. That doesn't mean you can't. Mm-hmm. Allergies can pop up all of a sudden from anywhere, and I know I have problems with allergies. I take a, I take a pill every day to keep those kind of under control, and they can make me sick. I get that drainage going, and it makes me gag and yuck, yep. nasty stuff. How about you, uh, Jr.? Do you have problems with allergies? I've had problems this year with allergies more so than uh, years past. I think I don't know if it's just. The pollen was pretty severe this year. Um, it was. I had some, yeah, I had some pretty bad allergies to begin with and kind of lasted off and on. Uh, it's getting better, though, now. I think it's just a weird change of the season and the pollen was extra extra rough this year. What about you, Ken? Yeah, I'm still I'm actually dealing with allergies more now than I did at the beginning of the spring with the, with the pollen from the grass. It's usually the grass-type pollen that gets me the, gets the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's the oak trees that yeah. just, just devastate me. I, they just It just kicks my butt. It really does. And if I don't take a pill for it, I can't even do my show. I lose my voice. Mm. You know, so uh, that's not been the case this year, so I'm, I'm happy about it. All right, so let's talk a little local politics. Yesterday they had the big vote in the House dealing with this uh, January 6th commission that they want to have are congressional uh members uh split uh, as far as the house went you have uh westerman and crawford voting against it 
and you had Hill and Womack voting for it. And uh, let me start. Uh, let me well. Let me start with you, Ken, since you're sitting right across from yeah. me. Uh, is it a problem for any of these guys that they voted for or against this? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I personally don't believe um, uh, Congressman Womack or Congressman Hill should vote for it. I understand wanting answers and not wanting to the Democrats to you know have the narrative. But the same same token, the Democrats will con- still control the House. They're going to control the commission. Nancy Pelosi is going to going to be in charge. And, uh, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, we can have uh, investigations in, into whatever happened on, on January 6th and find out what we need to find out without having a commission. I just don't think, um, you know, I think the idea of, well, if, you know, if we're part of it as Republicans and hopefully we can find the truth. But, uh, you know, I always say that's a farce. We always play into the Democrats' hands when it comes to this thing. And I think there's a reason why only 35 Republicans uh, split, and it seems to me it's always Republicans that split to go along with the Democrats instead of the other way around. But overall, I, I don't think the commission is as needed. What do you think, Jr.? Yeah, I mean, look, I understand uh, the thinking from both sides of it, and I certainly understand why why Westerman and Crawford didn't vote for it. But I also see the flip side of it, and look, just like the nine eleven commission, this is something that we've uh, to me, it's a it's a historical marker. It's something that we need to be able to have, uh, you know, sort of a concrete look back at, you know, years down the road. And and here's where and here's where I'm I I hear where Ken's coming from, and I do agree that Republicans do play into Democrats uh, a lot more than the other way around. But you have to go back, you know, into February to realize that you know McCarthy had basically brokered a deal with Nancy Pelosi on this commission where it was going to be. Uh, the equal amount of appointments from Democrats, Republicans that were going to look at more than necessarily just the January 6th riot. Um, and that had been a back and forth negotiation between leadership on both sides for a couple of months. Uh, and, and then it got down to the fact that Donald Trump didn't want it. Uh, I think that was very clear. He sent out a message I want to say the day before uh, the vote and made it very clear that he didn't want this commission to be uh, set up. And that's what happened. Um, But, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, if you remember who kind of led the charge on this, too, was was Representative Katko from New York, a Republican who got a lot of buy in at the beginning and was essentially kind of thrown under the bus by McCarthy. Uh, when, you know, McCarthy signed off on it, CatCo got all the support. And then basically at the 11th hour said, no, we don't really need to do this because all this is going to be is a, uh, you know, uh, sort of a, a witch hunt. It's going to make, you know, it's going after Trump. It's going to make Republicans look bad. We need to look at the entire picture. I get all of that, but you can't, as the leader of the Republican Party in the House, you can't lead the troops up to the line and then at the last minute fall back. Right. I mean, it's just bad leadership. It doesn't, it doesn't look good on you. It doesn't look good uh, on the party as a whole. And so, you know, maybe that's a convoluted answer, Dave. I see both sides of it, but Mm -hmm. I also think that there's an importance here for us to figure out exactly what happened. uh, And, and, you know, kind of have that as a historical reference piece, just like we did for the nine 11 commission. All right. Well, let's look at what Hill said. All right. He he issued a statement and then we'll take a break. Uh, He said uh, following his vote in favor of establishing the commission made the statement. 
In the days following January 6th, I called for a bipartisan commission to review the incident that occurred at our U.S. Capitol. This is why. In January, I co-sponsored Congressman Rodney Davis's proposal to establish that bipartisan commission. I want answers from Senator Pelosi on the lack of adequate security in the U.S. Capitol during that day. More importantly, understanding understanding the events of January 6th is critical so that the instances of heroism can be recognized and the errors made will never be repeated. So that's what the congressman had to say. He evidently has been wanting this commission since almost the very uh, beginning, and so he's carried through with it. Go ahead, Jr. No, I was going to say, and that's actually a very good point that Congressman Hill made. And again, I wanted to be clear. I mean, I, I understand the reasoning on both sides of why they voted for and against. But Congressman Hill makes a great point. I mean, this is this is Nancy Pelosi's house, and uh, and this happened under her watch. And the lack of security uh, at the Capitol, and the fact that it was, you know, quite frankly, so easy uh, to infiltrate the Capitol. Uh, that's that's a question that needs to be answered. And so. I guess I would like I just want to underscore the point that this is not just something that this isn't something the Republicans should fear. Will Nancy Pelosi and others, you know, other Democrats in the House try to make this, you know, something that looks bad on the Republicans and Trump? Absolutely. But when you get down to it, there's a lot of issues that should be laid at the feet of the Democrats, too, because they are in leadership. And it was just an absolutely uh, ridiculous lack of, of preparedness, uh, preparedness from uh, Capitol Police uh, and, and down the line. So there's a lot of things that Republicans can use could could have used this commission for uh, to push back on Democrats as well. All right, we got to get a break in. By the way, we'll know more about this next Wednesday uh, because that's when Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman uh, will be on my show and during the seven o'clock hour. So I'll be talking to both of them about their votes because they both voted differently. Uh, on this particular issue so you'll be able to hear what both sides believes also let me remind you that a week from today in the seven o'clock hour when we normally have joe and duck here they won't be with me next week we got a special edition of that hour on the dave ellswick show as the governor of arkansas will sit down with me to do a one-on-one interview and to talk about some of the things that uh, governor hutchinson has said here in the past about what he wants to do as as the leader of the governor's association and about how he does not want to support trump in 24 and uh, we're going to find out why he's so adamant about that and he has agreed to talk about all of that so that's that's going to be a great interview and uh, i would highly um, you know remind you to be here by radio or on facebook uh to either watch it or listen uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get a break. PI Roofing wants you to realize that, you know, f- keeping your roof uh, ready to go when you got weather like we've been having over the last few days is a good thing. If you've been working with them, they've kept uh, your, uh, your uh, roof from leaking, and so you ha- didn't have to worry about it. I had to worry about it a few weeks ago. I suddenly sprung a leak, so to speak, and uh, they got on top of the house and uh, the the leak that I had was in the front of the house, very front, right where the garage is at, uh, where the door opens up. But it was showing up in my living room. 
that's what's bizarre about leaks that you get in your roof. Uh, they they the water follows the path of least resistance, and least resistance might take it all the way to the middle of the house from the front of the house. And you need somebody who is really good and professional to be able to find the leak and then be able to track it and then uh, make sure that it's not causing uh, damages to the inside of your house. And that group is PI Roofing. You can reach PI Roofing at 707-3551, 707-3551, or visit them online at uh, piroofing.com. But also know that it's not just about roofs. They also do gutters. They also do windows. They do a lot more than just do, do your roof at PI Roofing. All right, let's continue on. Ken Yang is here. He's the chairman of the Saline County uh, Republican Party. While we have J.R. Davis here from the Gilmore Davis Group. You should just say the Gilmore Group. Now i got to put Davis in there. Mm. So how, how much of that do you own, uh, J.R.? Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, enough. Enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's 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 cool. What do you think? I, you know, we were just talking, Ken and I, during the break, and I was talking about the lieutenant governor race. And if anybody was listening uh, this week on on Monday at six thirty, uh, we had uh, Judge Woods on, and he was throwing his hat in the ring for the lieutenant governor's race. Got four or maybe five really good candidates there. Uh, I'm hearing Dismank's going to run, but I haven't been contacted and told for sure he's running. But you've got four in Rapert, Bledsoe, uh, Doyle Webb, and you've got uh, uh, Woods now yeah. getting getting in, involved in all of this. That's going to be quite quite a race. And, and, and Ken, you said that the, the dark horse in this is Bledsoe. Is that right? Yeah, I think Dr. Bledsoe is the dark horse. You know, I... Work with uh, Dr. Bledsoe on the uh, uh, anti-marijuana campaign a few years ago, and kind of got to see an insight. You know, of course, his you know parents are very much involved in, in politics, but you know he's different. Different. Per- I always tell people, people are different people. Don't don't try to corner them in because they're a spouse or because they're mom or dad or something. It's a particular way. Dr. Bledsoe's his own man, and uh, uh, but he has a lot of connections. He's had a great fundraising a quarter uh previously uh and so i think i think a lot of people underestimate him i think is uh it's chairman webb's probably to uh is is the front runner just because of who chairman webb is uh, uh and then of course <clears throat> uh, uh, judge wood i think it's right up there and then uh dr blood so it's a dark horse in my opinion okay now how much money did uh state senator raper uh, raise in the first uh, quarter was well. It, he didn't raise anything because he's not allowed to raise ah, anything. Okay, uh, you know he he talks about uh, pledges and stuff, but you know that that's not real money. Yeah, and, and those pledges was what about one hundred and twenty something yeah, grand or yeah, whatever. It was yeah. it was over the hundred thousand yeah. dollar mark. What's your take on this, uh, Jr.? You're probably more involved in races than any of us that are talking on the air right now. What's your thoughts about it? You know, I, I kind of tend to agree with uh, Ken on uh, Dr. Bunso, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think he's, and I say that because, you know, he is a political newcomer. He's, you know, obviously his family is not, um, but, you know, I've never seen, uh, I've never seen Dr. Bunso, uh, uh, you know, 
kind of try, you know, halfway on anything. He's always been very successful in what he puts his mind to. And, um, and so, his, you know, quite frankly, his uh, first quarter numbers were pretty impressive. We'll see if that's something he can continue to replicate um, and, and what kind of, um, you know, donor pockets uh, he has because uh, that's going to be important. But really, kind of overall, this is a very interesting race because let's say, let's say this man gets in, that's five candidates, and they're all very different candidates. And I think that's what's most intriguing um, about this race. You know, we all talked, you know, a year and a half ago about, you know, like, uh, what kind of a, you know, governor's race we'd have in a primary or attorney general's race. And the funny thing is, you know, those both of those probably look pretty, you know, stable in what what the end result's going to be. And really, the big race is lieutenant governor. And I'll tell you right now, between you know, uh, Rapert and and Doyle Webb, and I think you know, and and really Wood and, and Bledsoe to a degree, because they're going to be fighting over sort of that northwest Arkansas corner. You know, Rapert sort of has his area, but you know, Doyle Webb has has been the you know state chairman for so long he's he's well known at these county committees he has a lot of relationships um and so i think while greg may be the dark horse at the moment just because he's you know you just don't know what to make of it all if he's if he's willing to go to all the events and shake all the hands in addition to raising let's take a break we got news so So what do you do with a broken down car what are you going to do who do you call who do you want to come out and get your car? You know, there's there's all kinds of things that you got to think about. Uh, are you uh, are you on prov- private property? Um, are you on the side of uh, the the interstate? Where are you? Uh, these are things that you've got to consider when uh, you're looking to tow your automobile. And when you talk about a tow, it can be more than just your car. I mean. It can be your car, and then maybe there's a trailer and a boat involved. Maybe it's just a trailer that needs to be uh, a towed. How about if you got a truck? I'm not talking about pickup truck here. I'm talking about an 18-wheeler. And what about campers? All of those present their own unique problems and own, uh, own unique questions, and you got to have the answers to that, and that's where East End Towing comes from. Uh, Patrick uh, McIntyre, the owner of East End Towing, uh, goes out of his way to make sure that he's ready to take care of you. Uh, Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board, he's part of that. Uh, He's licensed and insured uh, with his tow operation. You want that for sure. And each truck is permitted and they have and meet all the minimum standards that the state requires of them. So when you need a tow, go with somebody who's ready to handle it for you, and you know that you're going to be covered with somebody who's uh, instrumental in understanding what towing entails. That's East End Towing. The phone number, 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. Keep that in mind. Okay, Ken Yang here. Uh, we've also got J.R. Davis, J.R. Davis, uh, Gilmore Davis Group. Uh, Ken Yang is here. He is the chairman of the uh, Saline County uh, Republican Party. Um, I have both of them on because they are uh, well versed in what's going on in the Republican Party. And we've been talking a little bit about 
uh, the race uh, that's coming up uh, for the primary next year, that's kind of been a, a surprise to everybody. There's a lot of people involved, and that's the lieutenant governor. Now, I had always heard there was a lot of people going to run because, look, we've got a deep bench out there, people that yeah. uh, are are topping out on what they can do maybe in a uh, uh, position that they have. You know, they can't run for it again. So what are they going to do? And are they going to retire or are they going to move on? Uh, and, and this is something that I think is interesting about the lieutenant governor's race. is, And I think it's something that Doyle Webb has already done very well is that – and, Ken, let me just ask you. He, he uh, in all of his uh, 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 statements that he's made and uh, his written statements that he's put out, press releases, has said, look, here's what sets me apart from everybody else. I don't see the lieutenant governor's job as being a stepping uh, stone. I'm not looking to run for governor, and I'm not looking to run – for senator and i'm not looking to run for congressman so with that in mind does that give him kind of the inside track do you think uh no you know i think it's good it's a good message to differentiate yourself from people because i think ambition sometimes uh turns off people uh especially if it's the wrong amount uh, i think there, you know some people I don't know if that makes sense to some people, but if there's just overwhelming, like I'm running for this, and people know the only reason you're running for something is because you want to run for the next thing, uh-huh. I think that turns people off. I think uh, you know it kind of re- what what uh, Chairman Webb has done kind of reminds me of Vice President Cheney. Uh, everyone knew that uh, Vice President Cheney wasn't going to run for president, and so he did his job 110 percent without having to worry about any repercussions uh, moving forward. And I think people like that. People people want people to do stuff so they're not tiptoeing around. And and I think the lieutenant governor's office, you know, you have a big microphone and you can uh, come out and speak on things. And sometimes past lieutenant governors haven't done that because they're thinking about running for the next next thing. How about you, Jr.? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think aside from governor, I think lieutenant governor is the best constitutional office uh, in the state of Arkansas. I mean, outside the Capitol, no one actually knows what the lieutenant governor does. It's a statewide title. It's part-time, so you can go out and do whatever else you want as far as earning money and that sort of thing. You can be as involved on the national scene as you want to or, you know, not at all. It's a terrific, uh, terrific post. Uh, in Arkansas. And so I think no surprise that a lot of folks threw their hat into the ring. And to your point, Dave, we have a deep bench and, and that's a good thing. You know, I, I mentioned it before the break and sorry, I was a little long winded there, but my thought was, you know, look, it, it, considering let's say this man gets in, that's five others get in. These are very, very different candidates and, and really even geographically uh, to some extent. Um, it's a very different sort of makeup than what I think we've seen in primaries before. And I also think that plays into the fundraising. You know, wh- who who has the biggest base? Uh, who can tap into those pockets and um, and and you know fill those campaign accounts? Because that's gonna that's what this is gonna come down to. There's front runners right now. There's dark horses right now. You gotta have gas in the tank to get your message out. If you can't do that, it doesn't really matter. And it'll be also uh, interesting to see who decides to spend all of their money on themselves or who tries to, you know, basically use their campaign money to attack others. I think that's a misstep. 
especially in a crowded primary like this, but it's going to happen. Um, and so you just got to be patient. If you're a candidate in this race, you've got to stay the course, focus on your message and get that out there. And I think that'll be who is the most, that, ultimately that's who will win the, the primary uh, next year. Okay. So when we get to the primary and the vote is taken, do you have to have 50 plus one to win the primary? And if not, then do we have a runoff? Is that how it will work out? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Go ahead. Here in Arkansas, yeah, it's a, a, a 50 plus one majority in the primary, but it's plurality in the general election. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, so you know, my none of them are currently uh, my clients, uh, but uh, you know, my my advice to anyone would be to you know you would move towards uh, anticipating a runoff and make I mean making sure you have a plan for a runoff. Runoffs are very fickle and, and difficult. Uh, I've been involved in, in, in many, uh, and it's just there's no real political science to it. Like like most campaign races, it's just a real difficult thing. All right, so when it comes yeah, to a runoff, right. it comes out to turning out the vote, correct? Yep. Yeah, and look, I'd say at this point, I mean, there's not a candidate, you know, with no disrespect to any candidate, I think there's a, there's a lot of great candidates um, in this race, but there's not a candidate that's going to clear the field right now. Uh, I don't expect there to be someone who can get – you know, to that threshold of 50 plus one. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely expect this to go to a runoff. And to Ken's point, that's, you know, kind of anything goes at that point. Um, and so that's where you could see, you know, to his point, Greg Bledsoe, a dark horse, uh, if he gets into a runoff um, and he's still got some, you know, uh, money to spend, you know, that's where you could see someone like him capture the nomination uh, heading into the general. But, but I, I, again, just looking at this field right now, I just don't foresee anyone getting to that 50 plus one margin at this point. Yeah. It's kind of anybody's game right now. And it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be interesting to watch what each one of these candidates uh, do. When do you think they really, they really turn up the heat that, you know, they, for the, for the campaign? I mean, we're looking, what is it, March next year before? It's May. May, yes, yeah. May. May 24th. You know, the, the, the usual thing is you, you start turning up, you know, after Labor Day. You know, you're trying to, you know, have your candidate raise as, as much money as possible before going to the holidays. Yeah, you can put uh, your white shoes up, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then you, you know, really rank it up there in the <clears throat> Uh, after Labor Day, and then you got the holidays, and then you really just push forward. Come the, come the new year, um, you know. So really, right now it's all about fundraising. You got to, like, as Jr. mentioned, you got to have fill in the tank, or uh, you just you're just not going. You have the best message in the world, and you, no one hears it. It's not you know. It's not about your social media followers. If that was, I go back all the time. If it's about social media followers, Ron Paul would have already been president. And and it's not. There's a lot more to a campaign than posting stuff on Facebook all the time. Yeah, and you can't you can't even get a dollar out of each one of them. That's right. I mean, if you got a dollar out of a lot of those uh, people that have millions of followers, they'd have the money to run a, a, a dynamite yeah. campaign. That's not the case, is it? Jr. You can talk to that. Yeah, I mean, I do think you know. Look, it's always nice to have a uh, robust social media presence that's that's certainly part of uh, a successful campaign i do think so many people candidates specifically and usually first-time candidates um, there's just too much of an emphasis placed on 
on social media. I mean, you've got to get out there, even on a statewide race. Look, you know, these legislative races, it's about, you know, pressing that flesh, you know, hitting the streets, knocking on those doors. Kissing babies. Yeah, it's the same thing with a statewide election. You've got to go to the county committees. You've got to go to the events, the festivals. Make sure, because people still, you know, it's Arkansas. I feel like we're always a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, technology, et cetera. But when I'm talking about a campaign, like we, people here still want you to ask for their vote. Yes. Um, and, and they want to know that, you know, Arkansas is a small state. Uh, it's easy to get in touch with just about anyone. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a real big part of it. And, and that's where I think Doyle Webb is going to – that's where I think his sort of uh, secret ingredient is. He knows He knows how important these things are. He's all over the state. He's been to them. He has some of that name ID at the local level. Uh, that's where I think you're really, really going to see him, where he has the potential to kind of pull away from the pack a little bit if the fundraising goes well. All right. Talk about fundraising between the two of you here for just a moment. How difficult is it for a local race like this to raise money for it? JR? <laughs> right now? Uh, well, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders raised about $5 million uh, for her uh, extremely difficult race for governor. Um, uh, I make, I'm saying that in jest, I mean, you know, she's raising a lot of money. Tim Griffin's raising a lot of money. You've got John Bozeman, our senior Senator who's running. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough, I think, to get, uh, uh, to get donors to sort of max out in a capacity they would normally do. Right. I mean, does that make sense? Cause look on the ballot next year too, you're going to have every state senator, every House of Representative running for office because of redistricting. That's right. There is going to be a lot of people asking for a lot of money. And to Ken's point, look, I look at June, basically from Memorial Day to Labor Day, that is the time to raise as much money as you can possibly raise. Uh, and it doesn't mean you're going to stop after that, but you, that's going to really measure, you know, not this second quarter necessarily, but that third quarter when we see those reports that is what's going to give us a very good idea of the positioning of these candidates because it is going to be tough um, to to raise money and compete with some of these bigger races uh, going on in the state right now. And I mentioned, you know, uh, Sarah Sanders. Uh, you know, she she's done a tremendous job fundraising, um, and 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 Tim Griffin as well, who's who's you know has a knack for it. Um, you know, that's going to be really tough to compete with because you're going to go to a lot of these same donors. And it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an expensive year, I'll say, for some of these donors, uh, for sure. All right, let's get a break in. Final break for this hour. Great discussion today on on local politics. Uh, we come back. I'll, I got another question about uh, raising money for campaigns, and then I'd like to talk about uh, the governor and and what the governor is is going to do. Because I'm going to have this one on one conversation next week with him. I'd like to talk a little bit about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. If you got questions about filing for Social Security, and probably if you're coming up on it, you do, because it's it's not as simple as people think it is, get the answers in a simple, easy-to-understand booklet called Your Guide to Social Security. That's from David Lucas Financial in North Little Rock. It's a 27-page booklet which outlines what you need to know that could help you get even more income when you file for Social Security. So if you're within five years of filing for Social Security, uh, get this free booklet. 
Right now, all you got to do is call 501-222-3315. And as a bonus, you're going to receive a free, customized Social Security analysis that will pinpoint the optimal time to wring every nickel out of your benefits. So pick up the phone and call now. Leave a message. They'll get right back to you when they get into the office, and you can get a copy of this booklet, Your Guide to Social Security. Call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. All right, we got eight minutes to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me ask you about uh, uh, Sarah and about Tim. They're both raising quite a bit of money. You know, JR, you've, you've alluded to that. Uh, Sarah has done most of her raising of money outside the state. Tim has done most of his inside the state. Where does this leave, uh, you know, uh, our attorney general? Because I'm hearing that she's doing okay. I mean, she's doing okay. I mean, she's, you know, in any other year raising, you know, one point whatever some million she has is is a good thing. Uh, but you're you're coming against someone who has... Uh, you know, I think it's a misnomer to say that Sarah uh, is raising a lot of money outside. Yeah, she's raising a lot of money outside of states, but she's having plenty of fundraisers inside of state. There's just not that much money here in the state of Arkansas to raise uh, that to raise the amount that you feel like you need to launch a solid solid campaign. And I tell people all the time, you know, oh, out of state money, blah blah. blah. Guess what? That good old crisp American dollar spends just the same in the state of Arkansas. Uh, people that complain about other people raising money out of state, you know what? They wish they had that money in their bank account. Okay. And so it spends yeah. just the same. And uh, you know, to JR's point, it gets hard when you're going to the same donor. And I know personally as a candidate, statewide candidate in 2014, the governor was running in a primary at that time. I, I'd walk past him at a donor's office. They'd max out to the governor, and then they'd give me $500. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> I was running down ballots, running for state auditor at the time, and that's what happens a lot. You know, people don't people don't have twenty eight hundred to be given out like candy, especially right now post COVID. So, Jr., yeah. what what what's your think uh, thoughts about Sarah? She's got the money. When oh, people, when people, yeah, she's look. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, look, I think people. Um, probably the, the immediate reaction to some people is like, oh, she should be raising that kind of money because she's Sarah Sanders. She's got the name ID. She's sort but people don't understand. I mean, and I don't mean this as a, I mean, just, you know, if you don't do this every day, you don't understand. It's hard work. It is a tremendously tough stretch when you're fundraising. I mean, yes. she has events, multiple events a day for week stretches, you know, and I will point this out. She's raised money in every County in Arkansas. Yes. She has received donations from all 75 counties. That's a tremendous feat. Uh, yes, she's done uh, fundraisers outside of the state, but she's done a, you know, a ton of them right. inside the state, and I would say the majority uh, inside the state. So it's a lot, a lot of work. She is putting in a ton of hours. Uh, and remember, too, I mean, she's the, she's the mother of three. Uh, she's got a young family. I mean, she's sacrificing a lot. This is not an easy thing to do. So... I just want to kind of set that record straight for her. So she's, she's raised a tremendous amount. It's a lot of work for Leslie. I think she's, she's done a, a really phenomenal job too, trying to raise money, but the Ken's point, it's just really difficult. Um, I think, you know, it, you know, and the fact that it's just a sort of Sarah Sanders versus Leslie Rutledge, 
uh, at this point in time is just going to make it more and more difficult for, I think, um, uh, you know, for her to continue to raise uh, the kind of money we saw from her in the first quarter, right, uh, versus, um, you know, what we saw in the second quarter. Uh, so from uh, from Leslie Rutledge. And so, you know, I again, uh, and look, and I'm not saying this is – I have no idea if, if you know, a year from now this is going to be the – you know, or, or, you know, six months from now this is going to be the exact setup of who's running for what. Uh, but let's say if, um, if uh, Leslie Rutledge uh, were to – run for lieutenant governor that changes everything in that landscape as well and that's the one candidate i think they could probably clear the field uh and get to that 50 plus one so there's a lot of dominoes yet to have fall i think uh in 2022 uh, it's very very interesting uh, but fundraising is going to be key and it's going to be particularly difficult this cycle all right well we'll sit back and that's a the benefit of being a, a talk a talk show host, mm. I'm not out there having to raise the money. I can sit back and say, here's the money that they've raised. One last question for both of you. Does Sarah have to combat a unspoken thought in the voters' minds about will she serve four years as governor or does she have something else in mind even before her first term would be up if she's elected governor of the state of arkansas and jr I'll, I'll give you one minute to say what you think on that yeah i don't think so um i think people you know i think she right now it's all about fundraising i think she's done still a good job of when asked man this is what she wants to do this is the race for governor um and honestly i don't think it you know even if she was considering something four years from now uh i don't think that's necessarily a, a it would be a hit on her with the general electorate um, I think she's in really good position, um, uh, and so I don't expect that to be an issue for her moving forward. All right. Jay, or JR, Ken, Ken? Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I, I think pe- people here in the state of Arkansas are worried about here and now. I think, you know, Sarah's going to have to start answering the questions of where does she stand on issues. So I think I think that's a good sign of, like, what she's going to have to answer is, you know, people are going to hear, Arkansans are worried about here and now. Where do you stand on the issues? What are you going to do for the state of Arkansas? And I think they're, that's, that's what they're worried about and concerned about more so than anything else. And for you who text me and say, well, Dave, why don't you ask about the uh, Democrats? And I say to you, who cares? Uh that's my answer on that. All right, because they're they're well, not what Democrats. Yeah, yeah. they're non yeah. they're non players right now. All right, that wraps yeah. it up for this hour, guys. Thanks so much for being in. Next uh, week, you'll lead into my my uh, conversation with the governor. That should be very interesting to to say the least. Jr. Davis from Gilmore Davis. Thanks so much for getting up early and taking part in the show. Same thing to you, Ken Yang, who is the chairman of the Saline County Republican Party. A break, and then uh, Joe and Duck will be with us, and they'll answer your car questions, 823-0965. You can call in and ask your questions right now.
All right, final hour for a uh, Thursday show, and that means, of course, that Duck and Joe are here, ready to answer your car questions, 823-0965. That's the number. You call in, they'll try to help you out uh, with whatever problem that you might be uh, having with your with your automobile, and uh, they'll do everything they can to, to help you as far as that's concerned. Then we've got questions that have been sent in to us. Uh, we're going to read those and, and get answers as far as those are concerned. Uh, again, let me remind you that next week, uh, Duck and Joe will not be here. Uh, I wouldn't expect a Duck to be here next week anyway because he's got surgery scheduled for next Wednesday. So he'll be out next week no matter what. But Joe gets to stay at uh, at the shop. And yeah, y'all. Yeah, because I'm going to be talking. Yeah, I have to dock your pay accordingly. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> nothing from nothing, still nothing. Dave. That's right. Uh, because we're going to have uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson uh, on to talk one-on-one with me because there's been a lot of information that's come out. People have have questioned why he's saying what he's saying and what he why he's doing what he's doing so i asked if he'd be willing to sit down one-on-one and talk about that he said absolutely so we'll be doing that uh here next thursday at seven o'clock on uh the dave ellswick show so we'll we'll pass on cars next week because you don't get to do a one-on-one very often with the governor like that so i wanted to make that that make that happen so how are things going for you guys? I mean, COVID-19 now is starting to fade into our rearview mirror, so to speak, and we're moving forward. Uh, I've talked to a lot of the other guys that own shops, and you guys are covered up with people that want to get their cars taken care of. Sure. We're just busy, busy, busy. Uh, it's springtime, so that's part of it, and everybody's getting ready. And, of course, I think uh, the um, – the COVID problem last year kept us pretty busy because nobody could fly anywhere, right, Doug? Everybody was driving. Yeah. And yeah. and and now they're 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 being able to get out again and move around and they're all planning vacations and trips and getting ready for springtime and of course A C season's coming and uh we got plenty to do, that's for sure, Dave. Well they're showing up Doug, I know you said uh last week that they're showing up to make sure that their air conditioners are working is that right yeah they got a bunch of air conditioner work going on and plus motor jobs and head jobs and high pressure fuel pump jobs we got can't even get on the yard need, okay. a, need a parking spot yeah i i need to come back over and see uh, uh <laughs> joe it's going to be time to get another oil change but when i get it changed this time i want to pull that cabin filter out and throw away because i'm sure it's full of green uh, of green uh you know pollen oh absolutely i yeah. already one for my truck yesterday if i'm gonna change it today and yeah. you want to do that you don't want to leave it in there and then the the air is blowing through it and you wonder why why are my allergies still bothering me yeah why am I? that's why yeah that's why well when cabin air filters get full the air doesn't circulate right and air condition it, don't work right that's correct. You get low volume of air, plus you get that uh, moisture that runs down that doesn't get uh, drained out like it should because the cabin air filter is clogged up as well as what comes off it that gets down in the bottom of the heater case where the AC drain is, and that'll build up in there, and it'll cause you to have that old funky smell in there. It smells like uh, uh, wet leaves. Yeah, it doesn't and, smell good. No, and, and it can be uh, irritating because you get in there and you first fire it up and you turn the air on, boy, it comes out of them vents and hits you. Shoom. 
but uh, we've got some products we can put in there to clean that with, right, Doc? Yeah, yeah. They they make some stuff. It's foamy looking stuff. You can spray it in there and do it. But you know, change the cabin air filter would be the biggest thing. Absolutely. All right. So you need to do that. That means call your bumper-to-bumper certified service center. Set up a time. That's not a job that takes typically a long time to do, but no. some of them are easier than others, let's be honest. That's fact. It, at, at my shop, when you come in for an oil change or oil service, what we call it, is uh, we check the engine air filter as well as the cabin air filter and actually pull it out and look at it. I don't normally charge labor to install either one of them. It's just the cost of the filter. Yeah. And, of course, we inspect the wiper aids, look at your tires, your brakes, and do a good vehicle inspection on it. So, and, and you know, twice a year, you know, you can do oil changes in December, and you can do oil changes in, in July. But the springtime and the falltime service is most important because you're looking for uh, ambient temperature changes outside and what you want to work. And then going into spring, you want the A.C. to work, and going into fall, you want the heater to work, right, Doug? Exactly, and and right now, uh, you know, GM, as we all know, GM's got a problem with their condenser. And I sent, Russell sent two back to GM this week for warranty. Both of them leaking in the same spot down there where they crack at. So I tell people, you know. They just got a weak spot there, don't they? It's, yeah, it's just badly designed. Uh, if they'd have put one little piece of aluminum on it, run it over and braced it like, like Carter's doing, mm-hmm. they won't have this trouble. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel's got a fix for it. So, and uh, you know that's good to know. He, I took him three condensers, so he's got three. That if he's got them fixed, he's got three in stock. So any other guys out there that got a shop that need one and you can't get one, call him. He's got one, and they're readily ready to go. All right, you know, you say call him. Tell everybody who him is. Daniel at Carter Radiator, Radiator. Service. Yeah. Okay, Carter Radiator Service. Yep. That's yes. who you need to call, and he'll take care of you. He was on the show a few weeks back explaining what the problem was and you know when you talk about radiator service that's something that to be honest over the last 15 years we haven't talked very much about radiator services because uh kind of a dying art but he's still doing it and uh you know and and it is art you know tinsman smith and coppersmithing and all that it's uh it's it's still there but boy there's very few people doing it (laughs) yeah he knows he knows still how to do it and since he's one of the few that's left that does it, it makes him even that much more important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, nowadays, for, even big truck radiators nowadays were used to, they was, you know, you had to tear them out and uh, pull the tanks off of them and clean them and everything. Well, nowadays, they're all plastic and aluminum. You know, something goes bad. You pull them out, throw them away. Throw it, throw it in the dumpster and put another one in its place. Even the heater cores in big trucks, which they used to always be copper, they're all plastic and aluminum now. They're all having, tr- you know, having trouble because you run eighteen wheeler up down the road fourteen, fifteen hours a day, jumping and bumping on these fine highways. <laughs> and wait till you go down down thirty and get to the one fourteen exit. They got a major problem there in the construction. No, really? Yeah, they're shutting the interstate down about every two hours for twenty to thirty minutes. Why? They built a temporary bridge, and the asphalt won't stick to the temporary bridge. Oh, jeez! And it's I hit it Saturday night about. Six thirty. I thought I blew all four towers out. Oh, that that big of a bump there. Oh, size of a pickup. Oh my lord. Yeah, when you hit it, you know it. it ain't no doubt. And rattles your teeth. Huh? Yeah. So they're they're shutting the interstate down, filling it full, packing it, putting the traffic back on it for two hours, shut it down again, fill it back up again. Wow. Yeah, they got major problem with. It. I don't know what they're gonna do with it. 
Well, I guess they're going to replace the bridge. Then. <clears throat> well, it's a temporary bridge to start with. Yeah. It's a bridge. They've, they've set the bridge up there, and then it walks itself over to the other side. And But it's got a steel plate under it. I mean, you know, like a catwalk plate. Mm-hmm. Why not just leave that stuff off of it, slow the traffic down a little bit? You know, but, you know, the state, they have funny things. They want, you know, how they want something done, so. Well, let's talk about funny things. Let's talk about a bridge that's going across the Mississippi River on I-40 that's causing all kinds of problems right now. Because some person is job because he didn't report a crack that was in it. Yeah, and and it looked to me like that they could uh, pull it back over and get it back in place and weld it all back together and put gussets on it, you know, put a five or six foot gusset on it, and it'd still be just as stout as it ever was. What's a gusset? Just a piece of metal laid on top of the crack all the way around it. Okay. And, you know, they can take send a certified welder over there and a, an x-ray machine, and they can look, see if it makes sure it gets a good penetration. But if that one broke, Dave, what about the other three? I now, think, now, don't be asking questions like that. I think that any bridge that guy inspected or signed off on needs to be re-expected, be scrutiny. doesn't it? Yeah. If he missed that, something that obvious, what about the little stuff? Yeah, because evidently the x-rays that they took that he saw last year showed this crack before it got as bad as it is now. But did he tell anybody, or did it just fall on deaf ears? Right now what we're hearing is that he didn't let the people up the chain know about it. But that's what we're hearing now. That doesn't mean that he didn't tell people. That could be right. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they said the 911 when he called over in Memphis told him shut the traffic down. I wondered, did them people really believe him? Or did they just think this is a, a hoax, you know? But Yeah, because it was that serious. Yes. I mean, you remember a few years back in Minnesota what happened? Mm-hmm. When yeah, that collapsed. That, when that bridge collapsed? The same thing could have happened this way, and it would have been much worse. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cause that thing carries thirty, forty thousand vehicles a day across it, and now everybody's going across the old bridge. And the old bridge ain't designed, the old bridge is about uh, seventy five, eighty years old. So, yeah, they were inspecting it uh, the past couple of days to make sure that structurally it would hold up for the increased traffic. You know, it's it's. I'm going to West Helner. I'm going across. Well, I'm either going there or I'm going It's going to be slow there, too, though, I'm telling you. I know, but that's a pretty new bridge. (laughs) Yeah, that is a new bridge. (laughs) But you can go up to just north to Blyville and go across I-555. Well, that's where they're moving the traffic to. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. trying to get everybody to go that way, and it can drop you in. You can go straight across and come out at Jackson, or you can go on Highway 51 and come out at Memphis. What kind of of traffic jam do you think that would have caused if the bridge had collapsed into the Mississippi and stopped the traffic on the Mississippi? Yeah, because, you know, they had the barge traffic shut down for a few days. Yeah, what if it was shut down for three months? Barges lined up in a row, you know, to get through. I think Congressman Westerman told us yesterday uh, that this is affecting uh, the money of – products moving on i-40 to the tune of about four million dollars a day i don't doubt it a lot of money being mm-hmm. being having to be moved around and people going different ways and things of that nature all right 18 minutes after seven phone lines are open at 823-0965 823-0965 and before i go to break i want to take about a minute to talk about something and that is preventive maintenance this thing with the bridge wouldn't be a problem 
if they'd done their preventive maintenance. When they saw that's a problem, correct. they would have fixed it. Yeah. That's Before why all the way into that, that's why it's important for and on on a, on a smaller scale for you to take your car to your bumper to bumper certified service center and have them look your car over every year. Absolutely, that's what we're that's part of our job is to make sure your car is safe to make a trip going on vacation or even commuting back and forth to work or just everyday use on the weekend. Uh, nobody likes to be broke down. Uh, you can avoid a lot of breakdowns if we get to look at the vehicle with regular intervals on oil service and do inspections. And uh, your life would be a lot easier because a lot of high-dollar repairs can be reduced to just maintenance items as long as they're done properly, right, Doug? Yeah. I mean, just like replacing a belt. If you're running down the interstate at 80 mile an hour and the belt breaks, well, before you realize it, it's cooked the motor you know, and that was all over a thirty, forty dollar belt. Yeah, I got a, a Sprinter motor home. Me and Joe was talking about the guy changes his own oil, double O ringed it. It's got fourteen thousand miles, ten thousand miles, something. Ain't got very many miles. It ain't but a year old, and he cooked the motor in it. It's got a rod knocking in it. Matter of fact, they're putting, mm. they're putting the motor in it right now, about fifteen grand. Because yeah. he didn't want to spend the money to get somebody to service it. He did it himself. And, you Ten know. cent O-ring. Yeah. No, there's no problem with wanting to you know, DIY, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I like what Kenneth says over you know, <laughs> uh, Sullivan's Automotive. He says, yeah, DIY, destroy it yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, 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 and I understand that. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to it at that point. You're putting all that that on your own shoulders well, the worst part about that, Dave, that thing had a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty on the motor Ouch. Well, that's that's all gone now. Yeah, because <coughs> of a bad installation of an oil filter by the owner, and now that that motor's having to be replaced, the factory warranty will not cover it. And no. the replacement engine, what's the warranty on it? It's a three-year, 100,000 miles. And he was just trying to change that oil filter. He's just trying to save how much money, would you say? Hundred bucks. I yeah, about seventy five to hundred dollars. Yeah, think about how much it ended up costing him. Keep that in mind, and I'll always remember they use bumper to bumper certified uh, parts, twenty four thousand miles or twenty four months warranty on those parts. If anything goes wrong with that part, they will replace it absolutely free, covering the labor as well. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 721. Let's take a quick break, then we'll come back with more with Duck and uh, and uh, Joe. Our phone number, 823-0965. Looking for your calls now here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Here we go. 24 minutes after 7, uh, Mike has a 1995 Ford F-150 XL, a six-cylinder, 4.9-liter engine. He says, my truck out of the blue lost pressure in the clutch pedal. As I continued to drive and shift it from first to second, the pedal stuck to the floor. I was able to use my foot to bring it back up and try to drive again. Same thing happened, so I pulled over and checked the clutch reservoir. It was full, no leaks anywhere. I spent about 30 minutes looking for leaks and possible problems, but I couldn't find any obvious issues. So I decided to try and drive home, and it did not happen again on my way home. I went back out to test it again. It was fine for about 20 minutes, 
But then it briefly happened again. This time it came back up itself without me having to use my foot. I've drove twice since then for about 30 minutes with no issues. I'm going to stop right here and say, what's it going to take, buddy? <laughs> you know, what's it going to take to get your attention that this is not a good thing, all right? Yeah. Uh, I'm stumped as what to do next. I had the clutch and slave cylinder replaced 15,000 miles ago. The clutch pedal assembly is working fine. Visual inspection of the master cylinder seems okay. No leaks or dark color fluid. Is it safe to continue driving? All right, guys. I'll turn it over to you. Let's start with you, Duck. Needs to be replaced again. Okay. That's all that's wrong with it. This needs the combination put on it. One clutch man. Is that one in the bell house in Georgia? Is it on the outside bell house? I don't remember. I got it inside. That's but, one. You know, that's one on front of the transmission. You know, the best thing. You know, if you think about this, the only thing that pushes the clutch pedal back up is hydraulic pressure from the master cylinder. Yes. So if you push it down and it sticks to the floor, there's no resistance in the fluid to push it back up. So the master cylinder is bad. Yeah. Or it's got air trapped in it. If you just had it replaced, sometimes that residual air shows up. If he checked the fluid in it, and those those reservoirs are funny, aren't they, Doug? Yes, they are. You take the lid off, and it's got a little rubber piece that goes down inside there. You can fill that up with fluid, yeah. but it's the fluid that's under that that's yeah. important. And it ain't very much fluid that's there either. No. I mean, you know, it, it's but it needs to be replaced again. Yeah, most likely. All and right. it, it needs to be replaced into a in you know what we call a kit. It all comes together pre bled and everything. You mm-hmm. just put it on and yeah. and it and it works. But just because it's been on there 15,000 miles don't mean nothing. Okay, so let's deal with the other issue here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not, it wasn't working, and then after I used my foot to pry it off the floor, mm-hmm. uh, it suddenly started working again. Mm-hmm. Is it? And let me just read what he asks here, here. This is his question, and the last sentence in his question is, uh, visual inspection in the master cylinder seems okay. No leaks or dark color fluid. Is it safe to continue driving? No. No. Duh. Uh, you know, it, you can you can tear the the synchronizers up in the transmission, trying to shift it without the clutch releasing yes. properly. Uh, he's going to get in traffic somewhere where he's going to stop. He's going to push it down. He's going to be sitting there, and that thing's going to leak mm-hmm. off, and it's going to try and go. He's going to push it down pull it up he's going to be in the traffic holding up traffic trying to get off the road he'll be in traffic and it all all at once release and it run in the back of somebody yeah Yeah, that's the thing that would worry me yeah you run in the back of something and it has happened dave sure that that problem has happened or you want to stop and you you push in the clutch and all of a sudden it's not stopping yeah don't disengage the clutch and it, it just needs to be probably checked and replaced again you know, when I think of this stuff and listen to this guy, and, and I know that we're not talking an 18-wheeler, but I'm thinking if somebody in an 18-wheeler was having like this problem and kept on driving it, that's when you end up with those special videos that you see on YouTube yeah. of a truck crushing a car in front of it. But now, Dave, all the 18-wheelers now, is, well, I won't say all of them, about 90% of them has went to a a hydraulic clutch system on them just like these smaller cars has got a lot of them nowadays has went to the automatic transmission in them so they can hire anybody to drive them all right got to take a break here and then we'll be back with more on the dave ellswick show uh 729 uh we got rush coming up in a moment 
Remember that the Bumper to Bumper Car Show is coming up on August 28th out in Conway at the Conway Expo Center. Uh, you can find out more by going, what is it, b2bautoparts.com? Yes. And you can get your car into the show, and uh, you can find out all the information of the classes and everything that's there. Jerry Roca made sure that we got that website up early this year, and uh, it's it's really in good shape for you as we speak. All right, let's get to Rush. 25 minutes until 8, St. Clarity Residential uh, cleaning. Uh, I've I've talked now for months about them. You have buy, been buying their fifty percent off certificates. Uh, we have sold a lot of them, and uh, one hundred and fifty dollars instead of three hundred dollars get your house cleaned. It's a great deal when you consider they're going to spend four to five hours cleaning your home and uh, getting it, uh, you know, deep cleaned is uh, totally different than. What I know I do, and I'm going to assume that a lot of you the same way I am, you know, you think about knocking the dust off the shelves and and maybe uh, running the sweeper and then maybe running a mop or uh, a swifter or whatever over the floor. That's about it. Well, let me tell you, that ain't about it with them. They do a whole lot more. Now, if you want to get yourself one of these certificates, all you got to do is call 404-6560, 404 6560 after 9 talk to Chuck talk to Lynn and they'll get you all set up for one of these certificates and uh, then you will call the folks over at St. Clarity Residential Cleaning and they'll set up a time they're going to come out and ask questions about how you want to clean where you want things clean are there rooms perhaps you don't want clean because maybe you have somebody got you know autism or something like that and you can't move things around because if you do, it sets them off. Uh, they will help you with all of that. So get your St. Clarity Residential Cleaning Certificate for 150 bucks by calling 404-6560. 404-6560 after 9 and before 5 o'clock. All right, let's move up a little to a, a little bit of a newer car. last one was in a, a 1990s uh, uh, 150. This is a 2009 Toyota Matrix uh, 5, four-cylinder, 2.4-liter car. Car has 135,000 miles, Brandy says. My engine just recently started to make this loud, high-pitched humming noise whenever I start my car. Uh, I pop my hood and listened, and it sounds like it's coming directly from under the engine. It's always the loudest when it's cold, but it remains even when it's warm and I put the car in gear. It does, however, get higher in pitch whenever I accelerate, and then that kind of disappears around 40 miles per hour and is replaced with a louder, almost roaring sound. Sounds almost like a motorcycle is driving behind me. There's no check engine light on. It seems to drive fine besides maybe a little bit of loss of power when accelerating and also a small jerk whenever I'm coming to a stop. I just recently had a tune-up done and had my valve cover gasket changed as well. I have no idea what's making this sound, maybe exhaust leaks or a vacuum leak, question mark. Uh, I bought this car a week ago from the Toyota dealership, and it had none of these issues. 
right. Okay. Over to Joe we go on this one. All right. Bought it a week ago, no issues, and then immediately took it and had it tuned up, and the valve cover gasket changed. I'm assuming the valve cover gasket was leaking. I'm assuming it wasn't running right, and that's why it needed a tune-up. Yep, it all down around the plugs. Yeah, so, you know, what we got here, I don't know if it's an original problem, but there's several things that jump out. The whining noise when it's cold, and it's better when it warms up. I'm going to say that's probably, that's a Toyota Matrix. They had a problem with the reservoirs for the power steering stopping up, and when it was cold... The power steering would bind. Would squeal, yeah. And you would take the reservoir off, clean the screen out, put some O-rings on the on the return line, and that would fix that. Uh, the jerking when you come to a stop, I'm not too sure about that. This could have a transmission issue, the pump whining in the transmission. Uh, I, I don't understand why you buy a car and a week later go to working on it, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if existing, pre-existing, or created problems. That's that's a tough answer. What do you think, Doug? Uh, yeah, I think, well, the first thing I'd do is take it back to the Toyota dealer. Yeah. If I, I just bought it from the dealer, yeah. I'd take it back to him and say, hey, look, I got a problem. <clears throat> and he might look at you and say, well, you bought, you see that sticker on the window says, as yeah. is. But if it, but if it's a, a rentable dealer, though, most time they'll say, hey, let us check it. And then we'll go from there, you know. Yeah. Not telling you we're going to fix it, but let's check it. But the whining noise, it could be a multitude of things. Be a pulley, a belt. Yeah, it could be the belt, could be the eyelet pulley, could be the tensioner. Transmission pump whining, power yeah. steering pump whining, alternator whining, AC Could clutch. be the AC, clutch, yeah, yeah. AC whining. You just got to bring it somewhere to let somebody look at it. And you need to bring it and leave it overnight so it can be cold so we can hear what it's actually doing. Try to replicate it. Yes. Well, sure. If we, if we and can. that can be tough. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm going to bring up somebody's name. I don't think you'll mind. Ed Monk yeah. brought his car to you, Joe, yeah. and said, hey, look, I've got some kind of a of, of a short in my car. Mm-hmm. And you went in, tried to replicate it, kept it for a few days, and could not replicate it. That's correct. It's it's not. Intermittent problems are, are horrible because when you're working on a car and it has an intermittent problem – First, you need to catch the car doing what the customer's complaint is. And then if you diagnose a problem with it and you make that repair, when you get through and you go drive the vehicle, if it's an intermittent problem, did you fix it? Or is it just happenstance that it ain't doing it then? Yeah. That makes it very difficult, Dave. And the customer needs to be, you need to explain that to them best you can and say, you know, I, I, I think it might be this, but I can't give you a 100% guarantee on this. And so sometimes you just have to tell the customer, I, I understand your problem. I, I sympathize with you, but t- for us to fix it, you might have to wait for it to get worse before we can find it and repair it. Right, Doug? We chased the 6.6 Duramax. We kept it for three weeks off and on. And finally, Russell kept telling the customer, I can't find nothing wrong with it, and I hate to start throwing parts at it. Mm-hmm. And so he'd come get it and drive it two or three days, and it'd throw a fit. Well, he, you know, time he got to the shop, it done quit throwing a fit. Sure. And finally, about four weeks later, he threw a fit. He made it to the shop, and it had a number five injector down. Mm-hmm. But the electrical part was coming and going on it, but it never would set a code. So it's just one of them deals. You got to take it somewhere and leave it, and let us figure out what's going on with it. Or, or if you guys can't figure it out. 
you're going to send it home with the guy and say, or a lady, and say, when it gets worse, bring yeah. it back. Yeah. You know, we're not saying you don't have an issue. We're just saying we can't find what's causing that issue because it's an intermittent. And it's not doing it at the yeah. moment. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And, and that's just like squeaks and rattles. You have to understand, I can drive your car, Duck can drive your car or truck down the road, and we can hear a squeak or a rattle. When we pull that back into the shop, that's not necessarily mean we can duplicate it in the building on the rack or on the floor or on a drive-on lift because that truck or car weighs four or 5,000 pounds. Yes. We're limited on how much we can move that around. If it's when you're going down a road and one wheel's up and one's down and you got a little cross in the car or the sway bar is, is, is kinked down on one side and up on the other and it makes a popping, creaking noise, it's very difficult for us to duplicate that in the shop. Yeah, it's very hard. And and so you, you have to put your eye on something and say, I see something that could possibly be making that noise, but you don't want to go tell the customer, this is what's wrong with it. You're going to go in there and sit down and explain to him, this might be it, but I, I can't give you 100% guarantee and and a lot of times I'll say, but if it was my vehicle, that's what I would do. But I'm not guaranteeing you to fix it because I yeah. can't make it do it in the shop. Right. Or you can drive it. I can tell you it's safe to drive. I don't see anything worn out on anything that's a safety issue. Drive it when it gets worse and we can duplicate it in the building. Then we can find it and isolate it and repair it. Yeah, and it's one of them $64,000 questions, you know. It's very hard to tell somebody, yeah. This is for sure what it is. Unless you raise a car up and it's something that's obviously very like obviously, yeah, like a sway bar pushing going out from under it, and you can hear it rattling. Yeah, those are no problem. But some of these rattles and squeaks, as Joe said, it's just almost yeah. impossible to find. Let me tell you what I've got a a pop right mm-hmm. now in my car, mm-hmm. and Joe's been trying to trace it down for how many months now? Well, you can't make it pop sitting in there on the drive-on lift. That's right. You can bounce it, rattle it, shake it back and forth, up and down. You can do this, you can do that. But if you drive out and you get on a little bit of uneven surface where one wheel goes up first or the sec- or the one second one comes down or even on a braking and, and it's an uneven surface and it's just a pop. And I believe it's a body creak, but where's it at and... You know, who knows? Yeah. Finding it is very difficult, and and you know you could spend a lot of time working on something like that and make no progress whatsoever. But then again, Dave, we have cars that came come in, and when we have one like yours that's doing that, when I finally find that, if I have ever have another one in the future, that's you'll doing, know right where to I'll look. I'll know where to look, Dave. <laughs> yeah, and, won't we, Doc? I've got a book. I got a notebook. It's still in my toolbox. This got problem childs over the years that stumbled up on, and you know, just to keep a record of it, where I can always go back and look. But it's uh, it's a cheat sheet. Yeah, (laughs) goes along with experience. Absolutely, that's what happens. All right, let me remind you about Pat Davis. He's got a lot of great things going on for you as far as health care plans go. He is your healthplanman.com. You want to know about how to save money on health insurance? You want to know how to get away without paying co-pays? You want to have you know actual insurance and not a share plan? You want to be an owner of a shop? Still want to give your people uh, health care? Uh, and do it at a reasonable cost to you and to your employees, this is the man to talk about. 
and to talk to. And he'll give you the answers you need to know. He's going to take what you're doing, what you want done, kind of put it in a bag, shake it all around and look at it and figure out how to fix your problem. He can save you, in many cases, 30 to 50% on your health insurance. He can make it so you don't have co-pays. He can make it so that you'll get checks back from your doctor and your the urgent care facility you go to, even the hospital at times. And again, this is actual insurance and not a share plan. So when you're thinking about health insurance, think about Pat Davis first, 501 605 6935 501 605 6935 or on the online at yourhealthplanman.com all right we've got 10 minutes left if you've got a question 8230965 8230965 has sent us a question about a 2000 Chevy K3500 LS 8 cylinder 7.4 liter says that uh, it keeps blowing the PCM1 fuse, and it's blown it multiple times. Had been told to the shop to fix it, but everything is running as it should. They told me maybe a wire short. I tracked all wires from fuel pump to fuse box and found one wire that seems to be grounding out on the firewall. A burn mark on metal and one wire. I re-taped each of the four wires separately and put heat wrap on it and zip-tied away from the metal. But now I'm afraid to drive it because I don't want to break down again when it dies. So her question is this. I have no power steering or power brakes. Quote, should I feel confident that I found the problem and just drive it or keep looking? Well, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. You got to drive it. Yeah. Yeah. And she found a a burnt spot that will blow the PCM fuse. If it's on that circuit, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, shorts like that, uh, we we find those pretty quick and easy, don't we, Doug? Yes. Because um, all we have to do is look up a wiring schematic and see what is on that circuit. And we'll trace those wires that are on that circuit from that fuse and, and look at each one of them. And sometimes that fuse, like ECM1, ECMBA, whatever you want to call it, whatever kind of vehicle, there's usually more than one thing on that circuit. So you can look at it and you can find it. But if she found that and those wires and been arcing on the firewall and rubbing, good chance she fixed her problem. But, yeah, she's going to have to say, all right, strap on your big boy pants. I'm going to go for a road test and see. Get me a handful of fuses and take with me so I can get back home. I mean, got to give her credit. She tracked this stuff down. Yeah. That's not easy to do, and it takes time. Yeah, I don't understand why the shop she took it to couldn't have done that. I I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, even though once they put a fuse in, it was running fine. But, you know, all you got to do is just, like Joe said, pull up the somatic on it. Okay, the fuel pump and all this runs off of this one circuit. Start trailing those wires and yeah, and wiggling stuff around. If it's shorting out from vibration or rubbing on something, you'll you'll duplicate that. Or the mice or the squirrels got got yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. I got a motor home, a forty uh, foot motor home with a Cummins in it. They got on top of the fuel tank and made a nest. <laughs> they chewed eight wires into squirrels. As uh, these squirrels, it looks like a rat nest. Okay. What it looks like. Yeah. 
but it's you know you got to drop that that 120 gallon fuel tank out of the center of it to get to it to repair it not you know, fun squirrels work. yeah and it's full of fuel yeah not squirrels fun. will gather up their nuts and acorns and stuff they're going to eat and then they go out and in 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 the in the in the ground and they bury them yeah they hide them but the reason they gather up so much is because they've they got f- little bitty brains in yeah they forget, where they, they forget where they hit them at yeah <laughs> so they only find like less than 50 percent of what they hid right so on a car if you have a bunch of those nuts and stuff gathered up in there most of the time it ain't from the squirrels it's from the rodents yeah because they take that stuff home and put it in their bed they're not going to forget where it's at. So no. if they wake up in the middle of winter yeah, and they a want snack. a little snack, they can they can grab roll something over, to eat. Roll over and get one and start eating on yeah. it. Yeah, there you go. That's the way it works. But they love the rubber coating on the water because it's made out of soybean oil. Yeah, yeah. and that was a bad choice of yeah. That's bait the rodents. You want to make it? Yeah. Everybody's got to eat, Dave. I understand <laughs> that. Just don't eat my car. Yeah, yeah. don't eat my water. Leave it alone. Yeah, they definitely. All right, the 2006, pardon me, Buick Lucerne CXL, six-cylinder, 3.8 liter. Tim says, my car will get hot within 10 minutes. The temperature will spike for about 15 seconds. Then it goes back to normal. Then it'll spike again. No smoke or any coolant leaking. Could that just be a bad thermostat? Well, I'm going to tell you two things jump out at me. I don't think it's thermostat issue. I think, one, it's possibly low on coolant. Yeah. Or, two, it's got a cooling fan issue. More, yeah. By it jumping up and jumping right back down, yeah. hey, it ain't going to be a thermostat because thermostat don't cool off that quick. Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, that particular vehicle, most of those thermostats in those, they were fail-safe. So if it ever got hot it'll stick open and it never close again and you're yeah. gonna have a code in there for engine coolant temp below threshold the spiking up and down i think is the fans not coming on when they're supposed to or it's low on coolant yeah and it's running through a dry spell there and it yeah, jumps cavitate yeah and jump up and then it'll pick back up again so so something to keep in mind yeah yes okay. some places to start there mm-hmm. dalton's got a 2011 ford focus S-E-L, four-cylinder, two-liter engine. The uh, car will shudder and die every time once it gets warm, but only when moving forward in any gear. Recently, my car started to shudder and die whenever I move forward. It doesn't matter the gear. Neutral, drive, or low. It'll happen. Happens once the car gets warm. It'll run perfectly fine in reverse. It runs fine for five to ten miles, and then it'll happen It'll start to shudder, then die. It starts right up again after. The problem started to occur after I looked at the radio. I removed the center console and the part of the radio. It shows me the the wrench light and sometimes the check engine light. I've replaced the cam and the crankshift sensor. I've also replaced the computer. I don't know what else it can be other than a wiring issue. Our local Ford mechanic couldn't even diagnose it. Well, you know, this this right here, he, he said it all. Yeah. This problem occurred after I did this. So he doesn't need to be underneath the hood looking. Right. He needs to be back in the dash where the radio is. And this is a very important thing that folks need to understand. The radios are not actually radios anymore. They're infotainment systems. Yes. 
These radios have security systems in them where if you steal that radio and take it out and put it in another car, it won't play. It locks it. But that radio is on the data communication line. Now, if you did something to the radio or the radio's bad or you've tried to put in an aftermarket and you've done this, you've done that, and you're grounding out the uh, the communication line, it's going to make this car do all kinds of stuff because it's it's taken down the communication line. There are a lot of sensors that can't talk. It may seem like it's possessed. That's correct. But yeah. he said it first. All this started when I looked at the radio. Yeah, when I took the center console out, messed Take with the radio. Take that console out, and, and even the the shifter down there, that's on the communication line too, isn't it, Doug, with the yes. Prindle? It yes. might have a shorted wire. He might have run a screw back through the harness when he was putting it back together. I'd be looking in that area. Yeah, wherever you tore out, that's where you need to go back to. All right, keep that in mind. It's all important stuff. You get into that infotainment center, you can cause yourself a whole lot of problems. It goes back to the whole thing. Cars aren't like they used to be, folks. No, no they're not. You know, And they're getting more complicated every day. You might, you might want to be an IT specialist before you start digging around in your dash. That's just the way it works. All right, we're out of time. Got just about a minute before we get to the news, top of the hour. Joe, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure. I'll Thank see you, you probably sometime next week at the oil change again. Right. And then... Uh, Duck, you take care. I know that you've got uh, some medical things next week, and we'll be checking in on you. Absolutely. Remember, the car show is on August 28th this year. Yeah, B2Bautoparts.com. And it's at the Conway Expo Center. Center, Yeah. Yeah. We want you to take part in it. We didn't get to do it last year. We want to do it this year and help the Ronald McDonald House. All right. Tomorrow I'll be back at 6 a.m. I'll see you then. But right now... We're going to talk about money here on 1011 FM, The Answer.